0: Hi, I'm Jess, I'm your resident kinesiologist, and I like to do cool stuff.
1: I'm Dee, I'm a trainer specializing in pre and postnatal fitness with some experience in bodybuilding, and I love to dance.
2: My name is Cameron. I really like to work on the mental side of the fitness industry because I don't actually like to work out. No, I do. Sometimes I do. It's all kind of a lie. Hello, Fitness Humans. Welcome to Wave Talks, episode number 10. We've done it, guys. We're in double digits. Thanks for coming with us on this adventure. Let's see if we can get to triple digits. That feels a lot further away. Not that wow. far. What? Not that far. Not that far. Only well, well, times 10. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then we'll go for four digits after that, and no, well, we probably won't. The podcast today is all about something called spot training or target training, which is the idea that you can work one area of the body and make it look better by burning off a bunch of fat uh, in that area. So you want to get rid of your belly? Great. You just do crunches until you got a six pack, right? That's how it works. No matter where you're starting from, you do a bunch of crunches, you got a six pack. Or, if you're in the late 70s or early 80s, you have celebrities toting these gadgets, these mechanisms, these machines, these automatons, whatever you want to call them, that you would utilize on certain parts of the body, whether it is the thighs or whether it's, uh, again, the stomach, the core, what have you. Those gadgets would create the perfect that part of your body and there's a lot of controversy about this if you google this you'll see that it's been debunked and it's true and what do you make of that what do you do with that information because certain people are always saying well we know that spot training doesn't work and certain people are saying well spot training kind of works and there's a differentiation that a lot of these people are not making because it makes for better clickbait but it's a really important definition to understand. No, it does not work to just work one area of the body to lose fat in that area. That's kind of not a thing. Now, there's a very far-reaching argument that could be made that if you did a thousand crunches a day, then you would burn enough fat off your whole body that you would end up burning fat off your stomach and thus it makes spot training true and val- a valid form. But that's not necessarily realistic for most people. Most people are thinking, I do 10 crunches a day, I burn the fat off my stomach, I've got a six-pack stomach. That's not how that works. On the other side of that, there is an argument to be made that if you build muscle up big enough, it can, as D will talk about in a little bit, poke through the other layers of like that that are on top of the muscle and eventually show up as aesthetically uh, viewable muscle mass that you you have so we'll talk about that in a little bit but those are two separate things that I think have to be just uh, uh, differentiated right off the bat because if you've come here looking to see if I can do 10 crunches and burn all the fat unfortunately no no I can't but that being said, we want to move into talking a little bit more about the mechanisms that are at play here. And so I think that's where I hand it off to the resident nerd, Jess, before handing it off to the resident nerd, D, later, which makes me, of course, the resident nerd.
0: Before I go into nerdy things, uh i definitely just want to share a piece of memory that maybe some of you might have too and it's
2: wait are you saying these people have common memories that you have how can everybody remember the same thing is it all from your perspective what are you saying what's happening right now are we all the same person what's going on
0: really all humans have very similar experiences in different places through different eyes really
2: witchcraft witchcraft
0: I instantly think of my mom watching TV with one of those thigh busters between her knees and she's squeezing it while she's watching TV, thinking of how this is going to target to minimize her thighs while she's doing something else. And this was a really common uh, occurrence, you know, and this was in the early 90s. This was really a common occurrence watching, you know, somebody do two tasks at once, trying to get spot reduction. Another really common item that you'll see is a weight that you can shake, that is supposed to vibrate. I don't want to name that vibrates while you're moving it, so that it actually causes increased muscle contraction in the arms. These are objects that definitely serve a function in a way, but they don't do necessarily what they're advertising. And that's how
2: how about the battery packs that you strap to your stomach and they basically just tase you into uh, better fitness?
0: (laughs) You know, all good things that are worth anything take work. Let's just say that about those machines. But there's something that these machines don't take into account that is really, really important when you're learning how to change your body composition to get the aesthetic look that you're looking for that's genetic and experience we are byproducts of our genetics in combination with that experience so our body whatever body you've been given has a range of variety that it is capable of in shape and in size this is based on you know what we've gotten from our parents and that determines this range So once we have our genetics and we have this range that we're working with, you'll build with experience. This experience can become what we call as an example, set point weight, right? So there's a weight that you've been comfortable at, uh, due to the activity that you've been doing due to the demands and stress that you've placed on your body. And that's the weight it likes to be at is a great example of that range when our body gets comfortable in a certain point it likes to stay there this is often uh, akin to homeostasis but in terms of fat free mass and weight so your body will have a hard time shifting out of that but it still has a range to work with and that's really what we want to tap into when we start training and we're really trying to get aesthetic so keep in mind that even though you have a goal body or a goal look or a goal, you know, um, aesthetic for your arms, you have to keep in mind that there's restrictions within your genetics. So that's not saying you're not capable of something that's saying play in your range, know what your body is capable of, and then try to accomplish, you know, the best that your body can produce for you.
1: There are variables we can control within that range that Jess is talking about. So there are ways we can affect change on the body and we kind of have to make decisions about all of that. So a couple of the variables that might come up are schedule and time commitment. So in order to affect some change on the body, we're gonna be looking at training frequency if we want to be able to build up the size of our muscles and strength, and then we have to look at recovery as well. Because if we're you know, making time for these workouts, but not making the time for sleep, not making the time for um, letting our bodies recover and getting proper nourishment, then that work we're putting in isn't necessarily going to yield the results we want, like the change in size or strength of muscles. So that goes into nutrition as a variable. Um, that's another thing because to get uh, size results, so aesthetic changes, or even to get performance results that also yield, is, um, so to get performance results that can also yield aesthetic changes, we need to look at proper nutrition for performance and body recomposition. So this might look like eating for energy replenishment and recovery, eating for muscle growth. So that would usually involve eating more calories than you're used to, which does take time, um, or eating for a leaner look. Uh, which might take more time in terms of planning, prepping, doing a little bit more home cooking if you're used to doing takeout. So these are other variables that do factor into that sort of uh, myth quote-unquote spot reducing in getting those aesthetics that you might be aiming
0: for. What we're really trying to say here is that spot training or spot reduction Although it's something that people often strive for, maybe we need to think a little more globally. We need to first realize what's within the capability of our genetics and then realize the things that we are capable of controlling so that we can actually get either the aesthetic we're looking for or the performance goals that we're looking for. Now let's dig deeper into that aesthetic versus performance goals a little bit. Aesthetic goals are really, really common. When you ask most people why they work out, they say, I want a bigger butt. I want bigger arms. I want a bigger back. I want this. I want that. And they start pinpointing and picking apart certain parts of themselves to create aesthetic based goals. These goals are usually what we call extrinsic goals, right? They're things that we want to show to the world. They're things that are external. They're not for bettering the personality, bettering uh, what we want to accomplish in our lives. They're more about putting out a face to the world, and that's okay. Sometimes we have aesthetic-based goals, but the problem with aesthetic-based goals is that they're really, really hard to quantify. How do you know you've accomplished your bigger butt? How do you know you've (laughs) accomplished your bigger chest? Right? Because our perception of our own body is very different than reality sometimes especially if we're feeling down or we're feeling happy so in order to know if you've accomplished an aesthetic base goal tip try taking things that you can actually quantify circumference that's a great one you want a bigger chest start by measuring your chest before a workout program and then measuring your chest after then you know that you've actually grown your chest so you feel a sense of accomplishment you feel a sense of worth and you've hit a goal. Another really good one is actually photo journal. If you're comfortable taking photos of yourself, then take a photo journal. Let's say every week, every two weeks, you take the same three pictures in the same positions to make a difference. These are something we actually see online quite often. right? Just keep in mind some of those are touched up with Photoshop or other software. Another one we wanna try to do is not go off weight. A lot of people will go into if I haven't lost weight, I have not accomplished my aesthetic goal and therefore I am a failure. When in reality, we should really go off of circumference and a photo journal in place. Because when you gain fat free mass or you gain muscle, this actually weighs more than fat. So you'll actually sometimes see no change in weight or an increase in weight, but your body composition will be different. So as coaches, we really want to make sure that we include circumference and in weight loss programs so that we're really giving you something that is
1: quantifiable. I've got a little personal tidbit to share about that. Um, something that we often use for like uh, seeing if our aesthetics are changing, our size are changing, are like we compare how our clothes fit. But one thing that I kind of want to share between when I was prepping for a bikini show versus now, when I am not prepping for any sort of shows, um, is that my, my weight and size are pretty much the same as before I even started training for my first competition. And my clothes don't fit any differently, but I feel different in them. Meaning, I'm less self conscious and feel more comfortable in a shirt, even though I have like my my body is very much a similar shape um, than what it was when I started. So, it's speaking a little bit more to my confidence levels and how I'm feeling now that I'm in a place in my life where I'm not super concerned with how I look outwardly to other people. Um, that is, I realize, a privilege that I have, like in the body that I'm in. But that's kind of something I want to speak to a little bit more. Uh, so Jess talked a little bit about aesthetic goals are really hard to quantify because as our body changes, we're always being really, um, we're always really scrutinizing ourselves and being really hard on ourselves. So as life changes and as our body changes, whether we're going through a diet or not, um, our perceptions of our aesthetic goals might change. And even if we've actually reached that aesthetic goal, we likely don't actually realize that we're there and continue to stay really hard on ourselves and think that we still have further to go. So it's almost like the target is always moving away from us, whether we're close to it or hitting it or not. So focusing on only aesthetic goals can really cloud our vision and self-perception and self-confidence and make it hard to see ourselves for who we really are, beyond how we look, and then we start to see value only in our aesthetics and completely overlooking the things that we're doing to get there, the capabilities we have as we get there, um, you know, and the kind of person we're becoming, or maybe the kind of person that we were before we started that journey, and the other valuable facets of our lives that we have. So the leaner we get, sometimes the more skewed that self-perception can become.
2: How much do you guys think that the cultural zeitgeist that we live within is affecting the very things that you guys are talking about?
0: I really think that fixating on aesthetic goals can generate a form of body dysmorphia, um, mostly because when you don't attain that goal or you feel like you don't attain that goal or it's not quantifiable, you feel like a failure. And in that failure, you attribute that you are incapable of changing yourself. And therefore, you start to just accept your body as the way it is, but not a good kind of acceptance. It's more just like, this is just how I am. I'm unhappy about it. I wish I could change something. And then you think that you're not able to do that through exercise. So you start seeking out, you know, maybe quick fixes, like, body detoxes and these other things, and they don't work either. And then you just start to accumulate this kind of failure rap sheet, uh, that goes into your self-worth and your version of body dysmorphia for yourself. And I, I think it's, that's why I personally, um, I moved away from aesthetic goals because that's all I had when I started my weight loss journey, when I was, uh, an older teenager, And once I really started fixating on, you know, just trying to do cool shit, like after a while I was like, I want to do cool shit. That's going to make me happy. And I started actually enjoying exercise and saying, I want to know how to do that and realize that I could actually do those things. Now that really played into my self-worth. So I had a goal. I went and accomplished it. It wasn't as hard as I thought. And then I was able to pick a new goal, accomplish that wasn't as hard as I thought. So it actually encourages self-worth because now I have something tangible that I can actually say I accomplished that. Whereas with an aesthetic goal, when life has ups and downs that changes, right? Like you go through the winter season and you gain a little weight, but your aesthetic goal is now no longer accomplished because you felt like you've quote unquote undone it. That changes your perception of yourself. Right, And that's hard to deal with for anybody.
2: So maybe that means that in our humble opinion as the partners of 3Wave, we don't believe in spot training in that particular regard because it is toxic and potentially self-damaging.
0: It can
1: be. Yeah, like growing up and existing in a world that celebrates dieting and certain body ideals like having a small waist, uh, having a big butt, having big boobs, having a certain look uh, that's, you know, sought after, um, lusted after, is exhausting and, frankly, is like pretty fucked up when you're living in this world where you're like, yeah, my, my butt is bigger. I'm really proud of this. Look at my booty. And, like, not to say that it's not okay to celebrate strengths that we have, but, you know, when you're looking at these parts of yourself and being like, yep, yeah, that fits with what everybody's saying is good, so I feel good about it now. I like, think that's super messed up to be living for what our culture and what our society is telling us we should be living like and we should be living up to. Um, and I, like, jumped right into that, like, <laughs> two feet in and went into a competition that was exactly about shaping my body to that specific mold. And so as I reflect on that, there's all these different thoughts I'm feeling and reflecting on, and it's this whole learning experience just to look back at it. But, you know, now I'm in this place where I'm being really aware of the fact that we're living among this diet culture society and figuring out what that means for how I'm existing and how I'm, Exercising and what's bringing me joy when it comes to exercising and when it comes to eating. It's amazing how, when I stopped competing, and at that time, I also had some like tough life stuff going on. So, I came to a point where I was like, I can't push myself in the gym, I just have to do what feels okay. I can't worry about hitting a certain amount of calories because. I, I was having a hard time eating at the time just because I was internalizing a lot of stress. So I just kind of took a fuck it attitude and said, I'm just going to do what feels good and I'm just going to do what makes me happy because um, things were really tough in the moment. So I did that and it ended up helping me uh, learn learn about what my needs were. And that was a little bit of emotional stuff, mental health stuff and physical stuff. And so it became this other journey where, you know, I wasn't feeling like I had to eat all the calories that I missed out on for the two years that I was competing. And it came to like, you know, ooh, like I I feel like having something sweet and delicious. So I'm going to eat that. And I stopped when I was full, whereas before I would just like keep going because I didn't know when I would get to eat it again. Then it came to like, yeah, I'm going to do a really tough workout because I feel like I feel really good and I have lots of energy Or like I'm going to do a dance workout or I'm going to do mobility or I'm not going to do any training this week and only go for walks. And some weeks it was um, some weeks I wasn't very active, but I got to this point where I could really check in with myself. And I stopped worrying about how my body was going to be perceived and just started trying to feel good in it. And I have to say, like, I do feel pretty good in it and I have my struggles uh, that come up with how it feels and also like my aesthetics, but it's definitely way less now. And I feel way more confident in myself than I did when I was super lean and had a six pack and people complimented me all the time and said, I looked amazing when I was like super unhealthy and anxious and thinking about food all the way day.
0: And that's the thing is, you know, having these aesthetic based goals is really stressful right? Because every you feel that every single moment of every single day is attributing to that goal, right? Like every decision you make is going to sway the scale from left to right. And maybe that's not for everybody, but I know I definitely felt that way when I had those aesthetic-based goals. I thought, you know, if I have this one piece of food, well, that might really counter the goal that I have. If or I don't make this workout, then, you know, this is going to get uh, bigger and I don't want that. But being able to change that path, it actually changes your self-perception too, right? Like I found that, you know, for a long time, I hated my legs. They were too big. I wanted them to be smaller. I wanted them to be smaller. I wanted them to be smaller. And as I started working on those performance-based goals, all of a sudden my self-talk shifted. It shifted from my legs are too big to, yeah, well, I can jump 40 inches, so I don't really care how big they are anymore. Yeah, well, I can squat more than my body weight, so I'm happy with them. They accomplish a different goal. They accomplish a function that makes me happy. Right. So changing that reduces stress. It actually reduces the stress you have about yourself. And you just don't care how you're perceived because you're happy with those
1: goals.
2: There's a social hypnosis that I think is really not spoken about enough where we are constantly bombarded with imagery and uh, descriptions of of these ideals that we are all supposed to be worshipping or attracted to or frankly able to become somehow easily and from the perspective on this side uh there's the story of the actor ethan Suppley, who is was on a show called my name is earl big dude I think he weighed over 400 pounds. He's lost all this weight. He's basically becoming like a a hell of an example for change. But he's also, I think, becoming an example that sets a lot of people up for potential failure because they're not understanding uh, his, they might understand his motivation. They're not understanding his resources. And when we see, and when we think, and when we are subject to constantly these, these types of transformational stories, they're typically the exception to the rule. That's what makes a good story, is that it's not a common daily occurrence. So the reason why we make movies about pilots that land a plane, that it, that engines get you know taken out by birds is because that doesn't happen every day. And even when those accidents happen, they don't happen like that so that makes a great movie regardless of your opinions about that particular movie Um, and usually to be honest when they make those movies they change a bunch of the details to make them more exciting anyway so it's not even the story it's it's the hollywood version story and i fear that that is a mechanism that we utilize when we are constantly exposed to the 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 influential the sexy the adonis the you know um body types and whatnot that that we see all the time and that creates that dysmorphia in our own brains like what you guys have both talked about is having the ability to let at least an aspect of that go when it comes to uh self-determination around your health and where it's going and that is to be commended because that's a really hard thing to do. And I say that because I still struggle with a lot of that stuff. I am not above the toxic dysmorphia that I still encounter with my own perception of the self. The work that I do on a regular basis is very much like not just the physical work. Yes, I, I work out and I try to maintain a little bit of activity every day and thank goodness I've got my dog in my life because she allows me to take her out as her valet for multiple walks per day at this point, plus my workout. I'm, I'm getting a lot of activity, but the part that was the disconnect for me up until a few years ago was the mental aspect. And I have been in uh, therapy for a lot of my earlier traumas for quite a while now. And that also is about breaking down these perceptions of the self. And where do these come from, these perceptions that we gain? like A lot of this stuff is from my childhood when I was never thinking about the aesthetics, but I was exposed to it. Mm-hmm. It set those, those tones like, I did grow up in the 80s. I did see the Thigh Blaster commercials when they first came out. Um Not Thigh Blaster, again, we're not gonna go into the copyrighted materials aspect here. But that was all about you not being good enough. Everything that was selling was you not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. And it went from those infomercials to product placements, and of course, like whether it's the Sports Illustrated, uh, you know, whatever you call it, bathing suit bikini, whatever the heck that edition was that they would come out with whether it was the movie where it had the, the, you know, perfectly chiseled guy and the perfectly, you know, shaped woman together, getting together in a heteronormative relationship, because that was the only, uh, you know, goal that anybody could have according to movies up until, I don't know, two years ago. Um, probably still even now for the most part, if you ask D, um, and, there, there were just all these other things. Everything that's selling you is selling you on the idea that you don't have enough. You're not good enough. You haven't gotten it yet. So you have to get past that. And in this moment, I will just tip my cap and say a small prayer for Rowdy Roddy Piper in the best performance ever which was the movie they live which if you haven't seen is all about consumerism uh from the perspective that it's aliens uh that are actually driving this force but it's not aliens it's 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 money it's money that rules all this stuff that creates all this stuff we don't need to go into that argument but we do need to say that
1: that was the argument in- i was going to say
2: <laughs> i in. i'm in your head
0: but is thats it, Is it actually spot reduction or is that just a thing made up by marketing and consumerism to make us buy stuff? <laughs> it,
2: it makes sense. I mean, it like it, it really does make sense that if I do like so many crunches, then I feel like my stomach is on fire and like I've worked those muscles. And so why wouldn't I think that that's how I get a six pack stomach and by, by, not to coin a phrase, but by reductive thinking in that, well, obviously that's how I burn the fat there too. If I can build the muscle there, then I can burn the fat there because if I light a fire and like, if I if I light a fire with wood and there's bacon fat on top of the wood, it just burns away the bacon fat. So why doesn't it work the same in the body, right? If I'm creating heat there and if I'm, I'm creating like energy there, why wouldn't it just get rid of the fat? It, it kind of makes sense from that like, like not I don't want to say like caveman makes fire perspective but from from the perspective of most people they get educated by the culture that they're within and our culture has a lot of advertising and has a lot of these biased messages that are trying to get you to buy something or to do something so in that case we are absolutely reduced to thinking about these things in these terms if i don't buy this pill i won't lose that weight if i don't buy this machine i don't tone in that area if i don't go to to this specific gym or use this specific professional i don't get those results that they were talking about
0: small sidebar there you said that it makes sense that if i'm heating up this area i would lose fat in this area and that's a really big component of where genetics would have come into play right so your body will spare fat or spare energy that it can literally spare so if it cannot fathom the idea of sparing it from your gut it's going to go from somewhere else somewhere else that it can afford to lose whereas belly fat for example keeps your organs warm So it would be less likely to go than let's say arm fat, right? So that's something to consider too, when you're trying to do quote unquote spot reduction is that you don't get to choose where your body loses weight or loses fat. It chooses based on necessity.
2: Yeah. And hormonal balance. So again,
0: like genetics, all
2: these going into, you know, what you guys were talking about earlier. It does make a difference how you feel, and it does make a difference what you're doing for your mental self as well, because when you start reducing the anxieties and the stress in your life, you start reducing cortisol. Yes, no? Yeah. And when you start reducing cortisol, you start changing the way that the body stores fat.
0: Correct. So cortisol being the stress hormone will actually cause you to store fat in case you need it in case of emergency.
2: Right. So if you're
0: constantly stressed and you can't figure out why everything you're doing is not helping you lose fat mass, that's when it's time to look at other aspects of health.
2: Isn't that ironic that eventually you can actually like go the opposite way because of what's going on mentally. Everything that you're trying to do physically can, be not undone, but it can be stymied by what's going on mentally. Like you have to get your house in order. It's the whole house. You can't just paint the outside and be a hoarder inside. Don't work.
0: And this is why over and over we talk about health being multifaceted and that you can't just treat the body and think that it's going to fix it. Same idea with spot reduction with health. You have to think of the whole picture, right? So let's think of spot reduction in the same way as we think of health. It's multifaceted, and you can't just do one thing at a time.
2: Uh, I think spot reduction we can not put in the same category as that. Um, I like you, but I'll disagree with that because I think spot reduction still is a contentious term, based in a uh, marketing trope that is um, questionable in terms of its commercial value. Okay. But as a as a terminology, it's it's. Um,
0: and that's what I'm saying is that yeah, like you okay. can't. It doesn't. It doesn't work to only do one thing, it doesn't. And that's what I mean by help, it doesn't,
2: yeah. Ah, Um, you're too fast for me, I I don't, uh, I can't keep up.
0: Or I just used the wrong words and confused
2: you. It's, uh, most words confuse me whether they're wrong or right, so it's okay. (laughs) Dee, do you have anything to add? I don't think so. No, you're you're happy just to watch Jess and I do whatever it is that we're doing right now, or listen to?
0: I have something to add.
2: Okay, I'm ready. Are you ready, listener? We're ready.
0: If you really want to look, if you you really want to work on performance-based goals, make sure that you check out our pistol squat workshop that's coming out. That's a great performance-based goal that is going to get you into some pretty interesting aesthetic look because you're always working on the same area. You're working towards something pretty incredible that's going to make you feel great, and it has repercussions. And those repercussions is that you start to follow aesthetically.
2: Yeah, I mean, you do enough crunches, you know, you will get strong stomach muscles. You might not get the six pack because as it turns out, a lot of people can't get a six pack. Uh, I personally have always joked about working on a keg instead, because you know why stop at a six pack when you could have the whole keg. Um, <laughs> that's 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 a discussion for a different day, though. But you know, if you do enough, say biceps curls, you're going to get big biceps after a while. I mean, you might get neck problems and back problems and stuff too, but you will eventually get bigger biceps. That's how that works. So yeah, aesthetics totally. Pistols, Squat Pistol yeah. workshop. Good.
1: The cool thing with learning new movements, like having a performance-based goal, like a pistol squat, like we're going to be launching pretty soon. When you're learning that new movement, you're practicing it a lot. You're training a lot of different aspects of it to be able to master that skill. So this could be like, Pistol squats, pull-ups, levers, you're using a lot of the same muscle groups over and over for repeated work. And often because it's something that you are excited to learn, you're happier when you're doing it. So you're going to do it a bit more frequently. So we're actually getting lots of training volume on these muscles, which causes them potentially to grow. Again, that is a bit based on genetics and your nutrition, but generally that volume is going to allow muscle growth and strength. So those can lead to aesthetic
2: changes along with improving
1: performance.
2: Well, this is a great spot to end this podcast. Thanks so much for coming along on podcast number 10 of Wave Talks, Fitness for Humans. You have been a great human if you've made it this far. We appreciate you. If you have any questions or comments, do not hesitate to reach out to us. And if you are interested in working with us, of course, we'd love to hear from you. Please check out the link in the description for more details about how to do that. And we will see you in two weeks for our next podcast. Thank you so much.
1: Bye.